1: Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Today's episode, Brandon and I are talking about lateral epicondylalgia or tennis elbow. So we talk a little first about all the current events we have going on. We got a lot of things going on with the clinic and the gym. So Brandon and I were able to catch up a little bit and share some things with you. And then we dig right into this episode where we start talking about how do we diagnose this? What are some clinical pearls when it comes to evaluation? And then where are we starting with treatment when this thing's- Cute, all the way up, progressing this person back to getting them to the activities that they're trying to return to. So I really think there's a lot of actionable info in this uh, episode that you can take with you and put in the clinic tomorrow. So uh, hopefully you really enjoy this one. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment or a question. It's how we reach more people and it's how we get our ideas for future episodes. We really appreciate those of you already have left a review. If you haven't already, we really appreciate it if you do so. Uh, It really helps us out. Thank Thank you again for tuning in. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Happy Monday, everybody! Today, Josh and I are back in the clinic, and we're talking about lateral epicondylalgia, also known as tennis elbow. But before we dive into that, there's a lot going on this weekend. I mean, we're just coming off of the Body Temperance certification that we hosted at Vertex, and Josh, you guys, you guys did a great job teaching. We had a really good crowd, man. People came from all the way from Canada, all over the yeah. country, all over the nation. It was awesome, man. So, um, what do you think about it?
1: Oh man, I thought it was fun. It was a great group. And I think every time we do one of these, my favorite part about it is the networking and getting to meet people mm-hmm. from all different backgrounds. Cause so we get the PTs, we get chiros, we get massage therapists, we get personal trainers, strength coaches, you know, we get just the athletes themselves that want to learn more for their own, you know, uh, you know, their own benefit. So there's such a great group. Every time we do it, And being that we're in uh, in Carolina, in Columbia, to where we can go over to Donnie's place afterwards um, to you know pizza, beer, and hang out, and uh, you know talk shop. It, it makes it even better. So I thought it was fun. We're still, you know, we're still growing. It's only number four that we've ever done. So we're still wow. tinkering a little bit and and figuring out the flow. And and I think we're we're getting better with it. But I think we can continue to streamline some things. And and I'm excited for what the future holds with it.
0: Oh, yeah. There's always things to improve upon with all facets of life. But the, the group, the crowd was really cool. Everybody's really engaged. I saw a lot of really good questions. And plus, I always enjoy when Donnie gives his anecdotes about his lifting days. And apparently, I tore my pec because I'm a bar pusher. So that was something mm-hmm. I, I learned this week. You um, got to man, you gotta learn how to <laughs> wedge,
1: man. You got to learn how to
0: wedge. That's right. That's right. Well, um, let's see. What else? Kurt and Vince, did you, did you keep up with the Masters?
1: I do. I watched uh today mainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've. Been Sprinkling it, and we had it on a TV in the gym pretty much since it started. So I've been watching a little bit, but I watched maybe the last uh, dozen holes today, um, watching Tiger go through the finish, man. And, uh, you know, it's good for golf when Tiger's playing well. You know, uh, those crowds and the, the intensity of it and the coverage just isn't the same when you're not around. So, you know, for for golf's sake, I think it's a good thing him coming back through and 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 playing well, man. I know uh, a buddy of ours uh, was was there at eighteen watching, and I was a little jealous. Um, one day I'm gonna have to see if I can some find my way in there, but man, it was it, it was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, man, I I gotta say I was a doubter. I actually did a podcast a couple years ago, and I did not think that Tiger was gonna be able to come off of four back surgeries. Most sure he's be in a fusion, but man, completely wrong. Fifth Masters jacket you know that old saying, man, they, they say behind every good man is a great woman. And Tiger's got a couple hundred to thank for making golf fun to watch again. <laughs>
1: oh, my so, God. I'm, so,
0: I'm telling you, man, I don't even watch golf. And that's mainly because I suck at it. Oh, but what I am going to watch tonight is that Game of Thrones premiere. Are you into that?
1: Oh yes, dude! I am am pumped for it, man. Um, I got one of my PT classmates is currently uh, uh posted up on uh, in our guest room for the next few weeks because we have a short uh short semester, and um, you know, thankfully I've got somebody to watch it with because uh, my fiance's, you know, she hadn't been following along, man. And you can't just you can't just jump in. So uh, we've been talking about it all week, and uh, I'm ready to to sit down and watch that tonight.
0: Yeah, man! I'm waiting two years to see what those ice dragons can do for that ice dragon. Dude, yeah, oh, that's I, a that's a spoiler alert there.
1: I know, but. It's got, don't give away too much, man. Don't give away too much.
0: Well, you've had two years to catch. Yeah. So I don't feel bad for you.
1: Yep. (laughs) All
0: right. What else? You had two teams, two teams at the Mid-Atlantic Challenge in DC. How'd they do?
1: They, they did great, man. I'm so proud of all of them. We were very fortunate to, to work with, um, you know, two people on each team. Um, they're teams of four, two males, two females. And these are, you know, this is the, the, the teams that are fighting to go to the games. This isn't your local, you know, comp at a box down the street, you know, where you, you know, finishing on the podium is while it's impressive, it's a little more feasible. I mean, this are, you know, teams from around the world, uh, come together. And now, you know, with these new rules, that you don't have to be in the same gym. A lot of these are, you know, multiple games, athletes coming together and forming a team to try to go to the game. So, uh, it's pretty intense. Um, we had, um, Ethan, who we uh, people first talk about for um, one of our individual male athletes was on a, a team with another one of our male athletes, John, um, and they finished fifth, uh, which is incredible. Again, I mean, the top, you, the winner is the only one that goes to the games and to even be in that final heat is incredible. And they finished second in that final event and they only had two finishes outside the top 10 and and really did well. And one of them it was just, uh, you know kind of getting a little ahead of themselves and making some bigger jumps on a maximal lift event uh, than maybe they should have in hindsight, but realistically they probably could have finished on that podium maybe in third. Um, They were that close points pretty close. So big shout to them. That was team victory grips Uh, and shout to victory grips and Vic uh, for sponsoring them and that team. Um, That's if you need grips in the gym, you know, I highly recommend uh, checking them out and then our team team vertex man um mm-hmm. our pride and joy uh we, we love right. that squad um so uh one we have two athletes on that one as well one of them on site here in uh in columbia and the other one is a remote athlete out of alabama and uh they did awesome too finished tied for 15th and again this field is so tough so to be you know even in that conversation uh is incredible um i thought they did wonderful they had they were, you know, a little disadvantaged. They don't, we don't have a worm, um, which if you don't know what a worm is, it's a, a strong man type, uh, piece of equipment, basically a long, uh, thin sandbag with four sections, uh, that are weighted a little bit differently. So you have, you know, kind of your what are deemed your male sections and your female sections, and, and you do a bunch of things with it. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that it's awkward if you don't have time to practice it. And so our team, you know, w- did not, was not afforded that advantage. Um, you know, we don't have one, but also, you know, they live kind of far away, some of them. So um, they were able to to do some some great things without having a ton of preparation on that. And uh, uh, I have to give them a shout out, too. And they they rep the Vertex brand well. Uh, got to give them credit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I love seeing those Vertex shirts and all that swag on all the Instagram photos. But I think we've got to add a worm to our, our list of equipment. And it doesn't look like that thing's going anywhere. So we might need no. to bite the bullet and get one of those one day soon.
1: Yeah, that, or we're gonna have to, you know, find somebody to make one. I give a shout out to our buddy Zach Taylor. Made a makeshift one last year when we were training for uh, regionals, uh, which there, of course, are no regionals anymore. Rip, uh, but he made a nice makeshift one that that it did the job. It wasn't great, but it did the job. And uh, you know, we might have to try to do something like that too. Sure, we can make that happen.
0: All right, let's see a little bit more on the current event. So apparently, there is a PT, one of our colleagues that owns the rights to Cash PT. And he's been sending and I'm talking about the words cash PT, like the hashtag even do with it. Apparently sending cease and desist letters to anyone who's using it. And for the record, when, when I say cash PT, the S is actually like the dollar sign, kind of like Kesha. So he can't sue me for that. Um, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Man, it, it's just sometimes things that people do are, are just comical. Man, uh, I, I I just laugh when I hear, hear it. What you know? What am I supposed to say now? Like, you know, we're not a cash clinic. Um, but you know, if that if that was the case, would we just go? We are a, a physical therapy clinic that only takes cash reimbursement. <laughs> or like, like how do? What are we supposed to say now? Like, it's just it's just funny, man. Like there's, I get the idea. I understand what he's trying to do, especially if you're trying to create a brand and, and all that. But you know, I just don't see the the need to do that. I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
0: Yeah. Like I said, we're not a cash clinic and it really doesn't affect me, but you know, there was a wise man that once told me that the best way to make money as a cash PT is to tell other people how to do it. And it looks like, you know, we're eating our own now and suing our colleagues, maybe that's a better way to do it. Um, but, you know, the guy that's allegedly doing this, he only has like 2,500 Instagram followers. Um, so he's not killing it, you know, but it is a, uh, it is a litigious society, man. People super hobby these days. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. He's
1: no Mitch's friend, Zach, or anything. That's right. No, no not
0: not at all. He doesn't have 200,000 or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Probably more than i probably undercutting in there. Well,
1: all right, let's get into this, uh, you know, this uh, epicondylalgia episode, and I think that's, oh, that's where I'll to start with it, man. Um, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to kind of ask you: uh, Is you know, I'm, I'm just the guy coming off the street here. Is, is that the same as epicondylitis, and what's the difference? Itis, sosis, apathy, algia, these suffixes. What you know, what's the difference, man?
0: Yeah, man. So that's a that's a big loaded question there. So, so lateral epicondylalgia. I mean, by definition, that's just referring to pain pain at the outside of the elbow. And I'm probably going to refer to it as tennis elbow for the rest of the episode. It oftentimes has nothing to do with tennis whatsoever. And it's classically defined as an overuse injury, but that that's even kind of debatable, but this condition you're typically going to have some pain and you're going to be tender over that bump on the outside of your elbow, which is called the lateral lateral condyle. And a lot of times you can provoke it by having the patient extend their wrist. Like they're pulling their fist back towards their head. Or even just the middle finger, and you know a lot of times it will hurt when you passively flex the wrist going the other direction, and you'll see some issues with grip strength, it hurts to grip, and therefore people avoid doing it, and it gets weak, pretty simple there, pretty common sense and that's like basic basic information, but I guess to to answer the other part we're talking about itis, so itis would be tendonitis right, and um you know that is what this epicondyle is is essentially an attachment point for tendons. And, um, that is typically going to be a, a, sh- a very short time frame, as little as one to three days often. So by the time people are coming to the clinic, that period is coming gone. So most of the time when people are coming to see us, it's actually, um, uh, a tendinosis and, um, you know, I, I, it's still just semantics here. Just they're both tendinopathies, tendinopathy, The as is anything pertaining to a tendon, but a tendinosis is where you would actually expect to see some tissue degrading. And it's more of like a makeup of what we call type three collagen uh, for all the nerds out there. And that's going to be typically uh, based off of timeline, essentially. So again, most people that come into your clinic, by the time they're coming to see you, they have a tendinosis. If that is a type of tendonopathy they're coming to see us for, like I said, tendon a hundred times, but hopefully that made sense.
1: No, no, that's great, man. I love, you know, uh, you, you made the point to say this isn't just about tennis and that's common. You know, I see this a ton in CrossFitters, man. A lot of times of, uh, you know, when they're doing a ton of grip work, a ton of bar work, whatever it might be, a ton of barbell cycling, ton of, you know, uh, kipping pull-ups or something like that. You can see, you know, issues on that outside portion of the elbow. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, when it's fired up, you know, to follow, you know, put it simply, first thing we got to do is we got to calm it down and then we got to build it back up, you know, just from a, a general standpoint. So let's say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm blown up a little bit on the outside of my elbow. I'm coming to see you, you know, uh, you, you went through a little bit about how you might figure out what's going on, you know, so, all right, I've got lateral epicondylalgia. What are we doing first?
0: So again, another loaded question, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're not even starting at the elbow. I mean, yeah, person comes in, this is why I hurt. I'm going to put my hands on it and say, okay, that's where you hurt for sure. But I mean, you got to back up and you got to make sure you check the neck and shoulder. And you know, that means that any neck and shoulder patient is also going to be a thoracic spine patient. So screen the neck and make sure that this elbow pain isn't actually a radiculopathy where the pain is actually coming from their neck and it's disguised as tennis elbow. The other thing too, is you got to check for shitty shoulder external rotation. And by that, I mean they're lacking external rotation mobility and strength to, to do when they need to do whatever tasks they're attempting to do. So you'll see this a lot. And you can test that by doing any sort of functional external rotation test where you have them just reach behind their head and down their back as far as they can go, or a 90-90 test. So if I do that, I'm going I'm to actually check active and passive. And if there isn't enough external rotation mobility, the force is going to go downstream into the next available joint. That's in the elbow. And then if they're lacking strength, if they can't externally rotate for whatever activity requires that, and one of my PTs, Amy, was actually talking about this the other day, you know, if you have them perform some external rotation, you see that wrist extending every time they go to do it, that might actually be the culprit, right? So again, most of the time, these elbow patients end up being shoulder patients. And just following that same line of thinking, make sure you check the rest of the elbow and the forearm too. Make sure they can fully straighten out, fully extend. Make sure they can pronate and supinate both directions, turn them palm down and palm up before you start attacking it. So then treatment day one, depending on what I've found, um, I'm typically going to do some sort of manual therapy. So I will crack the neck. It takes two seconds. There's some studies that show that it might increase a person's pain pressure threshold. Basically you can put more pressure on the elbow before they say, ow, that hurts. So why not do it? And uh, if I'm cracking the neck, I'm cracking the T-spine as well, right? So that's four seconds of treatment there. And we may need to do some work on that shoulder mobility. So if so, we'll work on that. And usually I'm throwing in some radial nerve glides as well, too. And then another manual therapy technique that I've had a lot of success with is actually this mulligan technique where you it's kind of hard to explain, like over this you know, microphone here, but you actually like push on the radius, you a posterior glide, and you have them actively extend the wrist. And so if that movement was painful to do before you moved it, it's usually pain free during the mob, and oftentimes it sticks and it's pain free afterwards. And that's a pretty simple technique. Um, I know some therapists that like to take a belt and just distract the elbow and kind of do the same thing, but I think they can all work. Um, This is also an area that I like to dry needle. So I'm typically going to do some periosteal pecking. So actually, you know, pecking on the outer layer of the bone right on that lateral epicondyle, And usually to the patient, it feels like a toothache in their elbow. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to stick some needles as high as the brachialis on the upper arm, all the way down the distal brachioradialis, the forearm. And along the way, we're hitting some of those wrist extensors. Usually ends up being like eight to 10 needles. We'll hook them up to some electricity and let it ride for 10 minutes or so. And, um, you know, I really like dry needling for this kind of condition. It tends to work pretty well. I'd say this one, along with plantar fasciitis, probably had the most success in the clinic. And then day one exercise wise, I'm usually going to start out with some kind of submaximal isometrics. I like prescribing five reps for 30 to 45 seconds. And, you know, this is primarily just for an analgesic effect. And I don't always start with isometrics, but I say like 80% of the time I do. So again, that's day one stuff. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: Man, I'm I'm just mad that you stole my clinical pearl, man. I had it <laughs> I had it written down in my notes here. That's like a, a that's a Dr. Beatty. If you don't know the USC DPT part, department, Dr. Beatty is like the OG, been around forever. Um, I, he took I think he took his GRE on an ammo cam in Vietnam, like that kind of thing. <laughs> like he's the man. And he, is he is the man he teaches our ortho one and that's like one of his go-to clinical pearls he talks about. He's like, man, somebody comes in lateral elbow pain, you better check the neck. And uh, I had, I had that written down. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sad that I didn't get to, I didn't get to drop that knowledge bomb. Uh, but, it but it really,
0: it really like, does happen though. Like that's not just oh, like yeah. a, like a test question in PT school. That's a legit, a legit case scenario there.
1: No. And I love, I, so just to, to point out the things that you said that I really liked one, you know, again, cracking the neck and cracking the T spine isn't going to make the elbow better, right? But it can be an adjunct to our treatment plan for reasons like increasing pain pressure threshold. And it's not going to hurt anything. And it's not going to take too much time. So like, you know, this is again, just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, incorporating it in kind of a little bit more of a global, uh, you know, treatment plan rather than just Zeroing in on that elbow is important. I like how you talked about working kind of above and below stream, you know, upstream and downstream, like looking at shoulder mobility. Um, and those clinical pearls coming from Amy again. We had Amy on the episode before too. Um, you know, an unbelievable PT that we're so lucky to have on the team. Uh, and so, you know, you know, make sure you're looking at that kind of thing. Um, I've gotten to needle this too. Um, I, you know, this is one of those spots, you know, we not only practice in class, but you know, when I did my rotation with you, I got to do that as well. And, and we saw some great results with it. Um, uh, You know, so I think needling is a wonderful option here. And I love that part at the end about isometrics being, uh, you know, a a go to for you. um, Because, you know, we forget oftentimes that analgesic effect that isometrics can have. Right. And you want to start to introduce loading in kind of a non-threatening way right away. Right. We're not necessarily going to crush it with eccentrics, you know, on day one or something like that, especially if we're going to needle it right there. Right. So, um, you know, but we do want to start to introduce some loading. If isometrics is where we go, then that's, you know, it's pain-free and it's sub-maximal. Then, you know, that's, that's a great place to start. Um, so, you know, let's say we've started there and we're going on, you know, when, and, and how do you know when it's time to start progress to, uh, you know, a little bit more loading. And then if you're going to progress to loading, you know, what I want to eventually get into, to get you, to, you, know, tell you where I'm going with this is more that idea of either eccentrics or heavy slow resistance. So let's start. You know, we've had day one on treatment, you know, what's happening next.
0: Yeah. So the all, all good points you made. And you know, I think, I think technically if you did do eccentrics on day one, I don't think you'd necessarily be wrong, but you might actually spike their pain a little bit. And then it becomes a question of whether or not they're going to come back and see you. Right. But typically on day one, depending on how hot it is, I'm usually starting with isometrics. So answer your question. Once they come back next day, I may do some manual therapy on them again, but I'm typically going to start progressing that loading strategy. And so again, we talked about in the beginning, it's, it's usually not an itis by the time they come to see me because that initial acute phase is coming gone so again i'm thinking in my head that it is a, a tendinosis um, so we're typically going to the next day i'm usually starting with a heavy slow resistance protocol and you wouldn't be wrong if you did eccentrics but i do like the heavy slow resistance it seems to have a lot more recent and emerging evidence and it seems to be tolerated better it's you you have more compliance with it because it's not quite as many reps you know we're not talking 90 to 180 reps a day with it so that's one of the reasons why i i like hsr so I'm usually going to prescribe two exercises for this really with that though, the dosage is just key and, and, and plus the fact that you have to pick the exercises that reproduce discomfort in their familiar area of pain while they're doing it. So we usually define that as three or four out of 10 pain. So if zero is no pain and 10 is like sticking your hand on a hot stove, we're pretty much in that mild category there. So when you have them do the exercise, it's typically going to be a tempo of three, zero, three, zero. So that's three seconds down three seconds up with no rest at the top or the bottom. And ideally this is going to be a 12 week protocol where they're going to follow it out even after they're feeling better. So that way the structure of the tendon has gone from more of that type three to type one collagen and everything is going to be structurally sound and hopefully the signal will happen again. And the way it works to exercise is that the beginning in the first couple of weeks, the volume is going to be higher. It's going to be something like three to four sets of 15. The weight's going to be lighter. Then by the time you get to 12 weeks, you may be down to, four to five sets of eight or even less than that. But the weight would be significantly heavier than what you started with. And that's because their load tolerance has improved as well too. So exercise selection, it's it's whatever, again, reproduces air discomfort. So it could be as simple as you want something like a wrist extension with a dumbbell. You could work on some pronation supination with a hammer or PVC. Uh, If you have the flex bar, you can do the Tyler twist. Um, sometimes you'll have to dump all those exercises and switch it out to some kind of a compound pressing or pull movement, depending on the person in front of you. And again, there's no cookbook, cook, ugh, I can't tell it word too hard. I there's no cookbook recipe for any of this stuff. Just make sure you have a reason for what you're doing and why you're doing it. And ultimately the, the exercises are just vehicles to get you where you want to go. Um, but I do want to make a point there that, you know, day two, whatever, we we are typically working on the shoulder just as much as the elbow and we're going to reincorporate sport or task specific movements as soon as we can we're we'll going to be working on things like grip strength especially as they're feeling better later on so especially if the grip was a problem to begin with so in this case we're hitting things like plate pinch carries wrapping towels around the kettlebells to make fat grips putting towels over the pull up bar to create handles for body rows and pull ups you know all kinds of things like that you just sort of make it up as you go along
1: man there's so many uh clinical pearls and knowledge bombs in there. And I want to highlight a couple of them that I think, you know, in my mind are so important. I think maybe missed a little bit. Um, The first one being that this is a 12 week uh, protocol or process that you're talking about, mainly, you know, you know, give or take meaning it's long-term and it means, you know, for me, and this is something I deal with a lot of times when I'm talking with, you know, some of my athletes as we're maybe working through something like this, it's you're going to feel better, but that doesn't mean we're done right? And that doesn't mean we still don't need to focus on it and continue on this progression. So that's just telling you just because it feels better doesn't mean it's okay, we're good 100%. We're, we're back into the activity that that possibly was causing the issue in the first place. So we got to continue it on there. That was number one. Number two was you ha- you do want to reach a certain level of what would be termed acceptable discomfort. And you define that, you know, again, three or four out of 10. Um, you know, for me, uh, yeah, three or four out of 10 up to maybe a five. But you know, if it's getting more than that, we're going too far. But if if you're not feeling anything from it, then we need to load it more, right? We need to, we actually need to get to more of that, you know, three or four out of, out of 10. So I think it's important to, to ensure that whatever exercise and loading strategy that you're doing reaches that, that level of discomfort there. The third one was, you know, yeah, this is an elbow issue, but we're not only treating the elbow. We are, we are making sure that we are evaluating the entire person. And a lot of times we're working upstream with the shoulder. That's another thing that I thought was really important that, uh, you know, I think this applies to just, um, you know, PT in general, right? We, we don't want to just zero in on a little area right there and, and, and focus on a little square that is over this lateral elbow. We've got to look at the whole person and figure out what else we need to do. Um, and then at the end, there, talking. I loved how you started to talk about more reintroduction into, uh, I guess what would termed more functional exercises or more in-stage rehab as we're starting to get them back to uh, the activity that they're trying to get back to, right? And so that's something that I know, you know, PT in general, we sometimes really struggle with is kind of, okay, right, where maybe we have it down that we do these, you know, a, you know, whether it's heavy, slow resistance or eccentric, we've got a loading protocol that we want to do because we're up to date on the literature. And we know that this is important. So that way we can, you know, influence, uh, you know, the collagen synthesis and build back that strength, you know, so that's great and all, but then what are you doing when this person wants to go back to the gym and they want to be able to do kipping pull-ups again, or they want to be able to do uh, you know touch and go cleans, or or they want to be able to do heavy farmers carries, or or whatever it is, they you know they want to be able to go back to this. So you know what are you going to do at the end there? And so I think that's really appropriate. Uh, you know, really something where PTs in general, what we have to be able to do is we have to be able to really look at their activity and and you know synthesize what are the demands of this, and then create a plan to get that person really back from where they are today all the way back to that sport or that activity not just back at the end of this 12 week protocol when it's feeling better and we've completed what the you know what the paper on heavy cell resistance says we're supposed to do we got to start thinking conceptually of of more about how are we really getting them back to their activity so uh, like you started to mention things you know uh, you know more advanced grip type things and whether it be a plate pinch or um, you know I love to use towels here and change the grips um, you know whether you know it be a, a type of pull up or a row or something like that I think that's wonderful too and you have to start thinking conceptually about that kind of thing too. So uh, I think in that whole that whole uh dialogue was there's a ton of great points there.
0: Yeah, and I think just to echo what you're saying, it it just circles back around to getting to know the person in front of you and listening to what their goals are and what they want to get back to be able to do and you know then you got to ask yourself the question is how do we know this thing's better unless we actually put it to the test and put it through the ringer. So um a lot of times you just listen to the person and you, the the
1: rehab program almost writes itself in a way, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. And don't forget you still have legs and you still have another arm and you can That's still right. squat and you can, st- you know, there's no, you know, then again, that's something else. It's like you got to stay in the gym or stay moving or do something, man. And, and if somebody is coming to you and you're treating their elbow and you're not helping them figure out what they can do in the gym or uh, especially it's like, you know, imagine this is, you know, a, you know, you've got a baseball player that's coming to you with some elbow pain and you're, you're working on them here and, and or something like any, any sport really. I'm just using baseball as an example. And it's like, okay, we're going to get this better and you're just expecting them to jump back on the field. Well, you know, when you're, you know, deconditioned, in any sport too. You're now, again, you're, you're potentially going to, you know, be at higher risk for any other injury right, or re-injury in this case. So I, you've got to be thinking a little bit more globally, and we've got to help them realize other things they can do. You know, load up a belt squat if you can't put a bar on your back or you can't hold on to a bar. or you know, There's so much you can do. Um, just, just don't forget that. Don't shut it down completely. You know, complete rest is not going to be a good thing. And also just loading the elbow with the exercises, you know, that you know, are directed necessarily towards that tendon, that's not enough either. You know, you've got to be thinking about the whole body.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, uh, I also had a little bit of rapid fire, just some, some random thoughts and just some random things I've done in the past and still occasionally do, uh, first one, you're probably gonna think I'm crazy, but you know, I've, I've had a few people do really well with mirror therapy. You know, these are usually like the stubborn cases, but it's probably something I should just throw in here and there too. Um, we ordered the mirror box off of Urson's website, uh, way back when we first opened Vertex and just had her hit that for like 10 minutes with some range of motion and gripping exercises and it cleared it up really, really nicely. So it was pretty interesting. Um occasionally I'll manipulate the elbow a lot of times we'll mope the wrist too um, I know there there's some people that believe in trigger points referring to the elbow like certain ribs and the scalenes I'm not really into that kind of thing but if it works it works uh let's see BFR yeah how could I forget about that so so BFR is good to take advantage of some of those hormonal and metabolic effects that you get you know I think this is especially good for all types of tendinopathies um We're also having conversations with the patients about how icing and anti-inflammatories may be counterproductive to the healing response. I think we could do like a whole episode on that topic too. Um, But I just had just a few random things I wanted to make sure we talked about too with that.
1: Yeah, and and again, shameless plug. You know, go back to body tempering too. Another opportunity there. Get it to calm down again. Um, you know, that's a big part of this. We got to calm it down. I th- I can't remember who is that. Greg Layman that says you got to calm shit down and build shit up. Um, I think that's Greg Layman,
0: Gandhi, something like that.
1: I think I had somebody I stole that from. I can't remember who it is. I need to figure out who. That's not an original uh, an original saying. So I need to figure out who that came from. But yeah, another way to calm it down. You know, uh, some 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 body tempering to the area. Just throwing that out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Again, shameless plug, but um, I think that um, we pretty much touched on everything that I had on my list, man, um, and hopefully that um, is uh, some good actionable content for, for the PTs out there listening, and then, you know, if you're a, a an athlete listening to this or a coach listening to this and you have an athlete who's who's maybe going through something, uh, something like this, lateral elbow pain, medial elbow pain, shoulder pain, whatever it is, more something on a uh, an extremity on one side, you got three others, man. Don't forget to train it hmm
0: That's right. Hey, while we're on the topic of shameless plugs, I mean, you mentioned some things like belt squats, uh, some different types of gripping exercises, stuff like that. People might not be as familiar with. So for people that may have not gotten this kind of stuff in PT school, there's a course coming up next month, right? in may oh, we'll man, talk about that a little bit.
1: Setting me up, man. Setting me up. I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, Dr. Kyle Thibodeau we've had on here a couple of times, uh, and I have a course, um, coming to Vertex, um, that is called strength and conditioning in the clinic. And if you're wondering, uh, you know, if you just don't feel like you have a great grasp on basic strength and conditioning principles, and I mean that strength and conditioning too, because we're going to be getting into basic energy system work as well, because, you know, like I mentioned, man, you got a soccer player and you're treating them for, for maybe you know, an upper extremity issue and you know, they're off the field for a little bit. How are you going to make sure that they're, uh, you know, ready to go back? You know, what kind of things are you giving them in their home exercise program from a conditioning standpoint that is, is safe and effective? Um, but then also, you know, basic progression, periodizations, concepts in there, uh, you know, different loading protocols talking about, you know, tempos and time under tension and, and how to, you know, prescribe sets, reps, rest. Uh, with appropriate tempos to get you know target specific adaptations um we'll we'll talk about specific movement patterns too that you know you know are basics that we we love to to use within certain movement patterns and different progressions and regressions uh so you know for us we we feel like it's a pretty comprehensive course uh two full days uh, a lot of content, and you know for me honestly. It's sad that this stuff isn't already in PT school. That That's the part that bothers me and why we felt like we needed to do something like this uh, was, you know, you'd be amazed at how many, um, you know, questions that I get from people who are already, PT, you know, from PTs I've been practicing for a while that they're asking some questions that, you know, in my mind, you know, I, you know, I've just, you know, we've learned along the way from a strength conditioning perspective, whether it be from Uh, you know, other courses are, you know, working with great strength coaches. And I'm wondering like, okay, well, how was this missed in their, uh, you know, in their learning process? And then now going through PT school, I just realized that it's, you know, PT school does a great job of helping you pass the exam and that's their, that's the job it's supposed to do, right. It's helping you to get your license, but that doesn't mean it's setting you up to be the most effective PT possible. Um, And so these principles are hopefully going to be what connects the dots for you. Um, So, uh, that's what led us to to wanting to do this course and we're pumped to roll it out uh, May 18th and 19th uh, and, and we're going to host the first one at Vertex but we've already got um, you know a couple that you know, we've had people reach out for us to to go a little uh, you know else around the southeast whether it be uh, North Carolina and, and Alabama we got a couple spots that we're already we're looking at going because uh, it seems like you know people realize it's a need so we're excited to, to bring that to them.
0: No I love that man it's going to be an outstanding course and the link to register for that is in the show notes there's also a student discount available too so um mm-hmm.
1: yeah us- we want uh, especially since i am a student uh, yeah mm-hmm. got to give everybody got to give everybody that uh, that opportunity yeah uh mm-hmm. definitely check uh look that up use it um we also i think it's still an early you know Kyle's handled a lot of the um the logistics of it so you know i think it's still early bird discounts going on right now so um mm-hmm. you know that you know, if you register soon there's it's also a little bit cheaper so um mm-hmm. you know we want it to be affordable as, as much as we can um while still worth a while because we think this information is just you know it's so important you know, it's, it's huge for, uh, you know, us, you know, contributing to help move the field forward.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. All right. Before we sign off, I want to take a minute to thank all of our loyal listeners for tuning in each week. Thanks for all the social media love. We appreciate all those shout outs and answer stories. And for that, you can follow us at better faster podcast. And if you like the episode, tell your friends and get them to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. That's what helps us reach more people. Hope you all have a great week and we'll be back next Monday.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist, one patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed, the best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.